And I said to my mother, I like this preacher. And it taught me, he taught me that every good preacher should engage the congregation. He should speak to multitudes, but it should be like he's speaking to you, like he's in your living room. That's what I learned from Pastor Ernie White. The next one was Pastor Paul Johnian. He was a crazy looking fellow. He looked like a maestro from the 1920s. And he combed his hair up and he tried to cover this bald spot with all he could up and over. And all the kids would laugh because it kind of looked like an in-ground pool. And we couldn't figure out what was going on. We called it the pit of the in-ground pool. But he was so passionate that if he talked about McDonald's, you went out and bought a Big Mac. He was just everything he talked about was passionate. He was passionate for the people and the people he spoke to. He challenged you to make it through every circumstance. He challenged you to trust in the strength of Christ, to get up when you fell down. And I learned from him, you have to be passionate. And you have to be passionate for the message you're preaching and the people you're preaching to. The next one was Pastor Sean Foster. He was a youth pastor. Many of us have had youth pastors who have influenced us in our lives. He was a young guy. He smiled all the time. One of those brothers who smile so much you get uncomfortable. And you're like, life's life's good, bro, but it ain't that good. And he just got, (laughs) and he's from Ohio. I don't know what that means. I just felt it was significant. I had to throw it in there. And he taught me that every good preacher should confront sin and call people to live holy. He preached to us to leave old things behind and to live holy and work through the process of sanctification and to live as a people set apart, a royal priesthood. I learned from him that every good preacher should confront sin and call people to live holy. Next preacher I want to introduce you to is Pastor Rick LeClaire. He was a biker pastor. I met my wife there. He'd rock a leather vest with a brown cross on his back. The first pastor I saw rock a beard with confidence, he was a dude's dude. He'd drive an excavator. He'd get on there, work on the edge, and then he'd preach the gospel. And he preached to the least of these. He preached to people who had more tattoos per square inch than I've ever saw in my life. He preached to those who felt like they were outcasts. And God couldn't love them because of what they had done or where they had been. And he made statements like, who said you had to be good to get to heaven? Because he wanted to put the emphasis on salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And he taught me that preachers should not live to speak to just the elite, but should speak to the demographic that Christ preached to. The least of these, the outcasts, the rejects, the greatest of sinners. I learned so much from these men. I'm so thankful for these preachers. But they all shared one common thread. And you would attest to the same fact, and they would attest to the same fact. They were flawed. They sometimes missed the mark. They sometimes misinterpreted the scriptures as any preacher does, as we all do. They sometimes preached from places with impure motives. They sometimes preached for fame and for fortune. And to keep people, and to appease people, and to please people, and to just say what they wanted to hear. They sometimes competed. They also sometimes preached and called people to live in ways that they weren't living themselves. They were flawed. But there is one who never preached a message that missed the mark. He never preached from a place that wasn't a place of pure love. 
A place where he's motivated by bringing glory to his father and liberating man through the gospel. He never asked men to live in a way that he was not living. When he said, deny yourself, he had denied himself. When he said, take up your cross and follow me, he was going to take up his cross and bear the sins of the world so that all who believed in him might be saved. He's the greatest of all time. He's Jesus, the preacher, the perfect preacher. And I want to reintroduce you to Jesus as a preacher today. He came to preach. He preached with authority and power. And when he preached, those who were chosen followed. And we're going to, not, we're going to work from the back of um, chapter 1 of Mark. We're not going to do it chronologically. And we're going to work forward for the flow of the message. So the first thing I want us to understand is Jesus came to preach. And let's read that text again. Mark 1, 35 through 39. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I might preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues. And casting out demons. So in the previous verses, we see this new man has stepped on the scene. This God man. Crowds and crowds of people were coming to see him. He was multitudes and multitudes of people were coming from far and wide. Miles and miles to hear this preacher. Who was healing people. Who was casting out demons. They were hearing about this man who was doing things that they had never heard about before. So some of us understand this on a smaller scale. But when you give yourself to multitudes and multitudes of people, when you're preaching, when you're giving your life, when you're ministering, it drains you. So we see Jesus is going to this place of solitude, this place of prayer to be refreshed, to focus on his mission. And some commentators would suggest it's a place, it's a wilderness-like place. And he would follow this pattern. This wilderness-like place where he overcame the temptation of the enemy. Where he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because every time he came out of these places, he would preach with power. Demons would be cast out. People would be healed. And this pattern would go on throughout his ministry. So Jesus retreats to this place. This wilderness-like place. This place of solitude. Now, in Mark's account, we always see, and especially these passages, we see the action of Jesus... And people's response to his action. He's a man of action. He's doing work. Jesus is going to do work. He's going to pray. And the disciples come back. They're looking for him. They most likely came back to Peter's house where he just performed a healing. And they're looking for Jesus. He's not there. They look in the backyard. He's not there. Check a well or two. Maybe a synagogue or two. They can't find Jesus. They find him in this desolate place. This tells me that he had done it before. You don't just, I don't go looking in desolate places for people (laughs) to find them. Where is he? He's probably in a place we've never checked before in the wilderness. This tells me this was a pattern. This is what he had done. And when they found him, I want you to listen to this response. They find Jesus in this place praying. He's where he should be. And they say, everyone is looking for you. 
We all know what that means. You're not where you're supposed to be. I have an uncle like this. I go to his house. He's like my uncle. I go there usually Sunday afternoon sometimes. We eat dinner. We spend time. It's been a long week. Sometimes you preach. You're tired. So you want to have dinner with the family. You want to talk. You want to catch up. But then you want to find that corner of the house to take a little nap or in the basement to get away and just get refreshed. He'll track you down like a dog. He'll say, what are you doing here? This is not nap time. You should be fellowshipping with the multitudes. This is what the disciples were saying. They're saying, what are you doing here? There's crowds and crowds of people who are looking for you. There's people coming far and wide from miles and miles to hear you, to be healed by you, to see you cast out demons, to see you deliver people. You should be out there signing autographs. You should be getting people ready for your next speaking engagement in Jerusalem. This is where you should be. This is what you should be doing. Jesus' answer gives us an indication that they didn't understand his mission. He said, let us go to the other towns. This is why I came out. I came out to preach. Jesus didn't come to heal every sickness. He didn't come to cast out every demon, even though he took great joy in it. That was a product of the kingdom drawing near. He didn't come just to attract crowds. If he came and a million people came to saw him, but no one repented and put their faith in the gospel, his mission would have failed. If he came and cast out demons, everyone, his mission would have failed. If he healed every person, his mission would have failed. He came to preach, to make the absolute claim of God upon every person. Because he knew that you can attract people far and wide. People could come from miles away just to see miracles, but never repent and put their faith in the gospel. We need to learn that today. Everyone who aspires to preach, everyone who is preaching, preachers are not here just to draw crowds. People are here to preach the gospel. Preachers are here so that people repent and put their faith in Christ. Jesus said, I came to preach. He had a specific message that he had come to reconcile men to his father. And when he preached... He preached with authority. Let's turn. Actually, just look down a little further, up a little further. Mark one twenty one through 28. And they went into Capernaum. And immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And he immediately, and immediately there was... In their synagogue, a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere through all the surrounding region of Galilee. Now Mark's emphasis is not on the content of Jesus' message. Do you notice that he doesn't even tell us what Jesus preached? His emphasis is on the way he spoke. 
and the way he acted in power and the response of the people. And that's what I want us to keep looking at it in these three small portions of Scripture. The work of Jesus, his authoritative work, and the response of the people. He's not speaking like anyone they had ever heard before. The scribes came, and they were appealing to authority that wasn't theirs. They were appealing to authority of Moses and Elijah, the law, and the prophets. Jesus did say, listen to Moses, and he was a Bible teacher, and he came to fulfill the law of the prophets. So he did also do that in a way. But Jesus spoke out of his self-awareness as the son of God. He was the authority. There was no more, well, he said or she said, it was I said. I am begotten, not created. I've been here from the beginning. All things were made through me. I wrote the system. I made the system. He was preaching from a place of authority. And the people were astonished at his teaching. They said, what is this? He spoke like a prophet. Prophets draw a line in the sand. They preach black and white. They compel people to make decisions. Jesus spoke like a prophet. He disturbed people. When Jesus stepped on the scene, you either loved him or hated him. Either you followed him or you wanted to crucify him. You either in a plot to make him king or you a plot to bring him to death. There was no middle ground because when he spoke, you had to make a decision. He spoke like a prophet. He confronted sin. Now, I heard a man this week use a, a funny phrase. And it wasn't his phrase, so I'm not holding him to it. But he talked about carefronting somebody. Now, this was in a group of grown men. And I'm trying to grow up in a lot of areas of my life. So when he said care front in a group of grown men, to a group of grown men, I wanted to break out in hysteria. Then Justin looked at me to try to get me to break out in hysteria. Like this. Like he was going to break out. You know when your lip starts to quiver? And it's even worse when you're not supposed to laugh. You're in a place where you're not supposed to laugh. And I said, please, no. He gave me the look three times just in that dirt dog. <laughs> and I said to myself, because I've repented in the past, I got to grow up. I can't be laughing in these places. I got to grow up. And so I made it. But Jesus never carefronted anyone. He confronted people because he loved them. But he confronted their sin and called them to believe in the gospel. He was a prophet. He spoke from that cloth. And people are astonished at his teaching. Not only were they astonished at his teaching, they were astonished by the supernatural things that were happening, happening when he preached. Now, I'm a basketball fan. So every 10 to 12 years, a guy comes along who's more athletic. He can jump higher. He can handle the rock. He can shoot. He plays with everything he is. He's a good team player. This guy is Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin just came on the scene. And all basketball fans, a couple in this church, you walk up and you say, man, have you seen Blake Griffin? 
He's already got the top 10 dunks, and it's not even the all-star break. Everyone saw that spin move when he went up and dunked it on the dude and just stood there. That's when you know you're good. When you do something no one's ever seen before, and you just act like you never did it before. We all know the secret. And so you run into guys, and you're watching the highlights, and you're winding them, and you're hoping they show that highlight again. Like, what is this? Did he really just do that? Did that just happen? I've never seen that before. On a much larger scale, this is what was going on with Christ. He had stepped on the scene, and no one had ever seen this before. They were saying, what just happened? Did he really do that with that kind of authority? Did he really have that much power? Rewind that. If you had DVR, and you could have DVR'd this passage, <clears throat> you'd have called your boys over the house, said, dude, you've got to see this. What is it? This dude, he's in his thirties. He comes from Nazareth, man. He wasn't even in the draft. I don't know where he came from. He's a carpenter. Joseph's his dad. He says he's born of a virgin. There's some crazy stuff going on here, bro. (laughs) And he starts to preach. And just watch the people. You see how he's preaching? He's preaching like he's the one, man. But this is what I really want you to see. Watch this dude in that back crowd. Yeah, he's moving up towards the front. See how he's twitching a little bit? See how he's crying out right now? Watch. Listen to what he says. He cries out and he calls him the Holy One of God. Now everyone's bugging out because someone's, someone's convulsing. They're yelling at the preacher. They've never seen this kind of call and response before. People don't yell at the preacher during the message. He's saying, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Why is he calling him the Holy One of God? Everyone's bugging out at this point. Stop using the chip and dip. Put the drink down. What's going on, man? Rewind that again. He convulses. He cries out. Watch what Jesus does, man. Be silent and come out of him. Now everyone's bugging. He's casting out demons. Not only is he preaching with authority, even the demons are fleeing. I want us to feel that response of the people. Everyone's bugging out. Everyone's saying, what is this? Who is this? We've never seen anyone like this before. If it was on YouTube, we'd get 50 million hits. More than that weatherman homeless guy. Everyone see that one where everyone was hitting? Maybe I'm the only one. You did. But if that was on YouTube, everyone would have hit it and said, what? Who is this man on the scene? We have never seen a preacher like this. Preach with this kind of authority and act with this kind of authority. And his fame is spreading throughout the land. Just like people talk about Blake Griffin. If you're a basketball fan, everywhere you go, people are stopping in the streets and saying, have you heard about this new preacher? Have you heard about this preacher who preaches with authority and with power? And they're telling him about the scene and they're telling him about his moves and telling him about how he preaches. So how does this preacher call disciples? Let's read Mark 1, 16 through 20. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me. And I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. So once again, I want to bring this to the forefront of your mind. Mark is emphasizing the sovereign call of Jesus and the radical obedience of the disciples. 
So how does this prophet preacher who speaks with authority call his disciples? Exactly like a prophet preacher would. It's short and right to the point. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, we see the radical obedience of the disciples. They put everything down. Their job, their family, and their employees. They leave everything. Now, you don't become fishermen in a day. You had to go through, do your apprentice hours. I'm an electrician, and the apprentice hours are no fun. You've got to get the nets when no one else wants to get the nets. You've got to go out on the sea. You've got to clean the boat. You've got to carry things people don't want to carry. You don't become that in one day. It takes years and years to become a skilled tradesman. They said, because of the claim that this prophet, this preacher, our Savior, made upon their life, all other claims seem to have no value. He called them, and that's what mattered. It wasn't they were the good people who made the right decisions. It was based on who was calling them. They left their jobs. They left their family. Their father, it could have been a family business that was going on for years, just left their family and followed. They left their hired servants, and they followed. When a good preacher preaches, he calls men to leave old things behind. And grab on to new things that are worth fighting for and worth living for and worth giving your life for. He directs you in the place where the true treasure is. And this is what Jesus was doing. He was calling them away from old things into a new life. Not only had this preacher come on the scene to preach with power. Now he was going to train other men to preach with the same authority that he would give them. With the same message that he would give them. So how do we apply this to our lives? First and foremost, we should be so thankful to a loving father that sent his son to preach to us. Wow. Do we really feel that? That God himself came to preach to us? To reveal things that were hidden since the foundation of the world? To lead us in life? To preach the words that will lead us to salvation, holiness, and eternal life? Do we feel that? Imagine if Jesus never spoke a word. Imagine if he came here, he lived a sinful life, he even went to the cross, he healed people, he cast out demons, he rose from the dead, but he never preached a single message. We would have no direction. We wouldn't know what to base our faith on. We wouldn't know what to build the church on. We wouldn't know how to receive forgiveness for our sins. We wouldn't know why he came. We wouldn't know how to live. We wouldn't know that the greatest among us should be a servant. We wouldn't know that he was coming back. We wouldn't know that eternal life was in store for all those who put in faith in him. If he never spoke, we should be so thankful for every word that Jesus spoke, spoke as a preacher. Secondly, we should hear these words. And this is really kind of an introduction as we're getting ready to get into Mark introducing us as we're going to hear Jesus preaching through this whole gospel. Be ready to be confronted by this man, this preacher. Be ready to be encouraged by this man. Get ready to be shaped by the words of the greatest of all time, Jesus Christ. And thirdly, get ready to put old things behind and grab on to new things. To leave things like the disciples did by the grace of God. And go into a deeper level of discipleship 
as this preacher calls us to take up our cross and follow him, to deny ourselves and seek after him. So I throw these questions at you again. Are preachers worth listening to? This preacher is worth listening to, Jesus Christ. And every man who preaches his message is worth listening to. Do preachers change our lives, change the world, and change the church? This preacher did. He's changed all of our lives. Everyone who's put their faith in him. He's changed the world forever. We know that one day he's coming back to redeem all things. We know that his kingdom has come. And do his words change the church? They change it every day. The church is built on his person and work. He's the cornerstone. In the words he spoke, we base everything on this preacher's word. Should I lend my ears? Should I lend my heart? Should I lend my mind? Should I lend my strength to the words of those who would preach the gospel? I would say an absolute yes. Listen to everyone who would preach the message of Jesus. Listen to his words as he preaches them in Mark. And let's be shaped by these preachers' words as we go through the book of Mark. Amen. Amen. Father, I just thank you so much that you sent your son to preach to us. And as a church, as we get ready to be shaped by your gospel, to be shaped by the message you have preached to us and will preach to us through this book. I pray that we would be challenged, we would be changed, we would be encouraged, we would be in awe of your son as a preacher. That we would be thankful that he came to preach the words of life to us, Father. The words that we can base our faith on. I just thank you for the words of this preacher, the words of Jesus.